Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I'm very excited to welcome back to the show our favorite sleep consultant, Jessica Bryant. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Emily. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) I know. It feels like it's going really fast so far, so um, I'm kind of okay. I don't want to rush time ever, but I'm kind of okay with January feeling fast, so... Um, Anyway, I'm very excited for you to come back today. Our last episode was a favorite for sure. And I, we're going to talk more about sleep today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the bedtime routine and what is often missing from it. And I think it's so important. And I was thinking about it. This matters for adults and kids alike, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So let's just jump right in and tell us, Jessica, what like a bedtime routine really even means, what those components are and what we're missing. (laughs) Yes. And especially, Emily, it's a great point that this is really important for adults as well. Um, But today we're going to be talking about for children. And it's really that rhythm at the end of your day. And, you know, it looks different for different families, but one of the most important pieces that researchers will always tell you, whether we're looking at children or adults, is, you know, go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time. And that really helps your body stay healthy. It helps your rhythms, your circadian rhythms, and all of those things. But for parents, it's just encouraging a consistent bedtime, um, developing steps to your routine that you repeat each night. I always say, if you're a parent who's bored (laughs) with the bedtime routine, then you're doing it right because you're keeping it it simple for little ones and um, you're making it easy for those nights where you you have to put all four to bed on your own um, or you have a grandparent or sitter coming. You're keeping it simple so other people can do it when it isn't your ideal time. And mm-hmm. you're creating a comforting into the day for your child to and you to look forward to most days. <laughs> I right. will say <laughs> it's unrealistic to expect it to be super comforting 365 days a year you know, 18 years in a row. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You just reminded me of something. So most people know that listen to the podcast that two of our children are adopted out of foster care. And I remember very well the first night we got them after bedtime should have been in our household on a Sunday night. And, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And our older 
son who's he was four at the time and he's now eight um he loved that we had a bedtime routine and it was just so cute because he would predict what came next mm, yes and, and, you know, obviously this is an exaggerated example, but kids, especially in that age range, they love routine. Like it's, it's so good for them. And I mean, most of my kids are older now. I still have a four-year-old, the youngest, but, and they don't need quite as much structure, but we still have a pretty predictable rhythm, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as what we do at bedtime. So Mm -hmm. that's really, that just really reminded me how much he just, once he had that, I mean, the other kids, that's just kind of what we always did, but mm-hmm. he just was so excited about that. He could really thrive in knowing what mm-hmm. came. So anyway, yes. side note. <laughs> he would no. I think that's such a great example because it's sometimes just something that gets overlooked or missed. We don't see it from the child's perspective. And especially for your boys where, you know, I'm making assumptions, but that was a transition for them. Their, their world changed um, a little bit when the two children were added to the fold. And so when those are especially, you know, your four-year-old, but even your younger one at that time, the fact that you kept that rhythm and that routine, that felt comfortable to them. And that Mm -hmm. kept them, um, you know, more relaxed because even though this part of their world that was changing, that was out of their control was different, you know, and any change is stressful for, for adults or children, they still could rely on that consistent closure, that consistent boundary at the end of the day. And that was comforting. So yeah. And you know, not to harp on this too much, but we have a lot of um, foster and adoptive families that listen. Um, Another thing I think was, interesting about that is our bio bio kids, especially my oldest son, who's turns 10 next week. Um, (laughs) he was able to kind of be the leader, even in that Mm -hmm. part, you know, Mm -hmm. to say, okay, well, here's how we do this. And to feel a lot of confidence in, in that kind of introduction and leading, he's a born leader slash (laughs) likes to be in charge of everything. And so, um, yeah, so that was, that was helpful for him yeah. too. And then at the time, our younger bio son was not quite three yet. So the structure was incredibly important for him. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, um, but that's a great perspective that sometimes gets missed as well is what it's, what that routine means to the child. So mm-hmm. I, I- I love that. Um, let's see. So we talked about repeatable steps. We talked about a consistent time. Um, and then one of the things that I often find is missing is the, a calming routine that is specific to your child's needs mm-hmm. and their body's needs. Yeah. Um, And so that's really, I get so often, one of the first questions I ask um, when I'm working one-on-one with clients is, um, do you feel like your child, you know, and a lot of times we're talking obviously about a toddler, preschool, or young school-age child, do you feel like your child can make the transition from running, jumping, playing, being loud, to being expected to lay quietly? Um, and wait for sleep to come on? Can they calm their own bodies? And parents are always like, oh, no. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, um, yeah. my, my, I have a first grader and a second grader that still struggle with that. So mm-hmm. my fourth mm-hmm. grader is fine with it, but yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. right. And I think we also think me included is every child's going to do it the same way, you know, um, that yeah. every child that you had to add to the family. And so mm-hmm. you probably have some great examples of, you know, having two children join the family that obviously your your two bio children are different, but then um, two foster children, you know, to adopt children are bringing two other ways, you know, or two yeah. other rhythms or sensory needs or personality needs, you know, whatever. So I think it's a missing piece in reflecting on the individuality of each of our children and what they need at bedtime. And I don't sure. mean that that means we we have to plan these grandiose things, but yeah, ways to kind of combine the needs of everyone um, or start with the most sensitive at bedtime or the one or the child that's struggling the most. Right. Um, and I have an example about that, about how not big of a deal it is. And also how um, sometimes things that annoy us can actually be helpful. So <laughs> for example, Speaking of that was four-year-old, now eight-year-old, he always has really liked to have a lot of blankets and he's a very high energy kid. So I want to say he probably has right now four blankets in his bed. If it were up to him, he'd have 10, but we have to cut it off at some point. So, because I don't want to clean all of them if we're being honest and it just creates like more mess. So sometimes I have to say, okay, you can pick three. The rest of them need to be put back in the closet. Um, but for him, he'll get curled up and he'll pull all of them around him. And then like, that's what, I mean, and then he's just still, and he's not a still kid, but that's (laughs) what he's always really desired. And he was even like that when he was four, he would just want to wrap himself up in blankets and that made him feel good. And it still does. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like for him, what he needs to do to make himself calm. Yes. Leaving Tell that us. space to find that. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I, I mean, I know, well, tell us some examples and then I can share about some other, um, uh, you know, what are some other calming rhythms or, or um, activities even that you find help with kids and adults? I've got one myself, but I'll <laughs> let you share first. So for sure, what what your son was seeking is he was making his sleep environment cozy. What felt good? What textures? What what amount of weight? You know, the sensory input that his body um, was given in um, in the sleep environment. So if you think of if he was four and he just had a mattress you know, and maybe a pillow and nothing else, he could be his wiggly, more active self. Um, But because he had that opportunity to kind of learn and find what feels good to him, and he could wrap himself up and get into a cocoon in his favorite sleeping position, then just having that sensory input every night felt good to him. So Mm -hmm. 
other things are um, a lot of times I see where um, children need a longer wind down period. So getting into the bedroom, you know, dimming the lights, really modeling, especially in the beginning, the parents slowing their voices, mm-hmm. maybe taking deep breaths, um, you know, dimming the lights, turning off screens, things like that. So you're kind of modeling, okay, it's time to initiate or signal the wind down. Um And that's why I also, you know, we've known each other for like seven years now, is I always love the magnesium products from Raise Them Well, because that can be part of that calming um, Mm -hmm. that actually help um, children's bodies um, prepare for sleep. So I know my clients always have lots of questions about the different products and which ones are for which age and those kind of things. And then there's also a texture of your product. You know, Mm -hmm. you have several different options for, for different needs. So I always love being able to say, okay, if that one didn't work, um, you know, try, try the balm or try the Cause that can be really fun for the older ones. So I'll, sure. I'll speak to that and I'll, then I'll add some other tips too. Yeah. <laughs> so Jessica is speaking about our raise them well, topical magnesium products, which are in my opinion, they're life-saving for bedtime. And so um, just a little background, but most individuals, including children are incredibly magnesium deficient. A lot of that has to do with our diet But even for those of us that eat um, plant-rich, organic diets and that sort of thing, our soil is incredibly depleted of minerals, including magnesium as well. So while we think that we're eating a magnesium-rich diet, a lot of times those levels can still be low. In fact, I supplement with magnesium. I use our topical magnesium products. And on my last blood test... And I eat a lot of vegetables. And my last blood test, my magnesium was a little bit low and I was shocked. So I've, I've increased all of it since then. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. So anyway, um, magnesium is a calming mineral. And that's just the thing to remember. It's great for calming anything that is, um, is you know, if, so our sore muscles, it can help calm that. Um, tight you know, an upset tummy, it can help to calm that. Um, Great for sore muscles of all kinds. My oldest son has grown tremendously over the last year and has had a lot of muscle cramps and growth pains. He slathers on the magnesium (laughs) roll-on product. That's his favorite. So we have a roll-on, we have a calming roll-on, which includes some essential oils. And then we have our magnesium balm, which is more of, as the word says, a balm. It's a thicker kind of you rub it in motion. That's my personal favorite. And that's part of my calming bedtime routine. Right before I turn off my light, I rub it into all my sore spots, which basically I bathe in it. And so... (laughs) right before bed. And then we also make a little one's magnesium serum that is designed for babies ages nine months and up before they can safely start using the balm around age two um, that parents love too. And some people choose to put that on their very young infants and, you know, that's your choice for sure. And it, what it does is it helps to calm the nervous system, to calm everything, to allow us to sleep. 
and then to focus the next day and that kind of thing. Magnesium is just like the magical magical mineral, excuse me. And it does so many mechanisms within the body. Um, you know, it's great for constipation. It's, I mean, it's just like great for everything and literally nobody has enough. So, um, (laughs) you can supplement, um, through, you can supplement with oral supplements. There's, I think there's nine different types of magnesium. So you have to be really cautious with that to make sure that you are taking a magnesium that is actually going to be absorbed in the body and um, not just flushed out. And generally the cheaper, the more it's flushed out. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. Personally, I use a uh, magnesium malate. It's well absorbed and, and can help with a lot of functionality that I take orally. But I rub all over my low back and all over my legs every night the balm. Two of my kids love the balm. Two of my kids love the roll on and they all use it on a regular basis as they're getting ready for bed. So I don't know. Did I cover everything, Jessica? What do you hear that your clients say about how magnesium works for them? Oh, they love it. Um, and I think the roll on the kids love it because they can, um, they can do it themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. really have like having that as part of their job at bedtime, you know, whether they roll it on their feet or whether they roll it on their siblings back and then their back or whether their legs or wherever, which kind of reminds me is I need to break out the bomb for, um, my muscles. (laughs) Right. And the serum is one of my favorite because it's easy to um, take on travel um, and and things like that. Um, some of my little ones, you know, you always mentioned, you know, you were always telling me like the, the roll-on can be a little tingly or a little cold. So if I have super sensitive little ones, then I'm leaning towards the, the balm or the, um, or the serum, which works great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. So (laughs) it's, it's, it really is magical and it's so great for that. Like the calming part of, um, because I think what we're saying here is when kids don't have a chance to calm down, Mm-hmm. Um, and especially boys, I've never had a girl, so I don't know, but their physical inability to calm down can be <laughs> baffling. Um, especially for moms, I think, especially yeah. when it's our first kid or our second kid that maybe has like the wide open personality. Um, and, and I know someone's going to send me a message and say, Emily, you've not seen my daughter, which I get it. I understand totally, but <laughs> it, it's, it's wild how, um, it can be very overwhelming. Like, I don't even know what to do with this. It's time for bed and they are jumping on the bed and creating that kind of the, the ritual and allowing them to participate. Like you said, just even the motion of taking it out and rubbing it on and then beginning to feel those gentle calming effects. Mm-hmm. It's it. I mean, and of course, like it's not a magic pill. Let's just be honest. There's no magic pills for anything, but Um, it it really can over time help. And I also always want to encourage parents. It's not going to be an overnight success for most kids Mm -hmm. with consistent, with consistent use. It takes 30 to 60, um, days of consistent use to increase the magnesium levels in the blood, which can help you really feel those, see those long-term effects. So that's a good point to add that, um, 
Yes. And so that is definitely an example of why this calming routine is missing um, from the bed, you know, so overlooked is because it's hard. It's exactly what you said, Emily. It's like, I don't even know what to do. And so because I have an active child and whatever else is on my plate, um, the end of the day, you're exhausted. So if you're already 30 minutes past bedtime, it's like, okay, what is the quick fix here so that I can survive? And mm-hmm. so parents often just, you know, kind of cop to the easy, you know, I'm just going to lay here, like, or you'll hear from some parents, like I lay my arm over him, you know, like that pressure to help him mm-hmm. moving long enough to fall asleep. And, um, and so, um, that, that you, you're out of ideas. And so right. what I like to bring up is let's look at, look at it from the child's um, perspective in terms of their body is struggling from constant movement to lack of movement. And so mm-hmm. that the, the jumping on the bed and those kind of vestibular activities continue to wake a child up you know, to stimulate their muscles and their body versus if we're doing proprioceptal um, activities that give the input to the muscles to wind down. Um, And so for my really busy, you know, energizer bunny at highly active, a lot of times very skilled (laughs) growth. (laughs) um, I, I have um, a plan where I introduce specific bedtime games along with that magnesium to that's something fun and very child centered. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but Uh it's almost like yoga for bed, um, bedtime, just, you know, doing the wheelbarrow or pushing a really heavy weighted laundry basket around the room or pushing your sibling in it, you know, and I I close the door dim the lights, but you're building in those resistance, those joint compression activities that send those natural signals to the body to, okay, we need to wind down. Um, I also hear, you know, well, <laughs> dad likes to get them all hyper and tickle oh, and run and girl. jump and wrestle. And I'm like, okay, this is a great activity to help redirect. Dad wants to connect, but let's do these slower movements that lead to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you please lecture my husband? <laughs> Even our older kids, the, every time that he's the one that does the most of bedtime, which they love it, those are the nights that we hear running around for 25 minutes afterwards. <laughs> so anyway. Um, which I also try to just mostly ignore these days because generally they take care of it themselves eventually. But, um, you know, and and one thing that we, one thing that, again, I've had to kind of get over because you're making me think of lots of things. (laughs) We do um, Bible reading before bed and then we pray for each child while they're in their bed. But when we're doing Bible reading, I, that's a very important time. And I want them to sit there and look at me and not move. Right. Um, that never happens. And, you know, my perfect ideal of bedtime Bible reading is not ever accomplished because no one is ever still. And, um, I realize though, especially as boys that, you know, part of their winding down is they are moving less mm-hmm. than they were a few minutes before. So their little like twitchy movement or they're like rolling a ball back and forth or tossing something up in the air. Um, it's like 
okay, I have to remind myself, they, this doesn't mean they're not paying attention, number one. And number two, um, you know, I like to fidget. I'm just being honest. I'm a fidgeter when I'm doing things. I'm almost always moving something. And, you know, it really is actually those rhythmic movements are helping them to, to calm down. Yeah. Even when it is rolling back and forth on the floor, which is probably my least favorite, just like that constant rolling. It's almost like they're doing like a break dancing or something. I'm really not sure, but it, oh, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's real annoying. So I just like tune it out and pretend it's not happening. And then when I ask questions afterwards, most of the time they do, they were paying attention. So, you know, those kinds of things too, where we are doing something focused, but they're not sitting still yet do kind of lead them into the stillness that we're hoping to accomplish within 10 minutes or so. Right. Yeah. So yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And just being accepting of those movements and, and acknowledging from their perspective, they can't sit still, you know, uh-huh. just knowing that they are listening, but that rolling, that's one that's on my list too. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, oh, I had a really good thought to go along with that. But, um, oh, my son, for example, um, I have twins um, and they're 15 now. But when they were, you know, your children's age, he would sit in bed and he would play. He would flip um, either a fidget thing, spinner, um, little cube, or he had these little magnet rocks that all um, fit together and he would play with that. Sometimes mm-hmm. he'd toss up and down um, a, a golf ball and he has really good um, hand-eye coordination and has since he was tiny. Um, and so he would do those kind of things at bedtime or he would draw really, really tiny designs, whereas my daughter would read or- right. So if there's little things you can put in their hands during your Bible wind down and your lesson, you know, and then obviously you have your child that really feels good from rolling back and forth. Um, He can do that. But if you need, if any of them need something for their hands, those are just some ideas that. Yeah, that's great. That they might enjoy too. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. What are some other, um, you know, kind of, um, maybe activities or I love the idea of pushing, pushing around the laundry hamper. Cause my kids do that a lot. I never have thought about it as winding down though. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> anything else that's like <laughs> typical that we don't know about that we need to know? Well, for an example of the rolling, um, one of the bedtime games I do for my really young toddlers is um, the burrito game. And so it's basically getting a blanket and swaddling up your toddler and they lay on top of it and you roll them up and then you're kind of usually on your knees and you're varying your pressure and rolling them back and, and saying, you know, you are a burrito, you know, and usually they're mm-hmm. by that yeah. And you over-exaggerate letting them out, you know, and then they're like, do it again, do it again. Um, but, but yes, those, those, especially that pushing the weighted, like, I mean, heavy laundry basket. So a sibling or really heavy books, it uh-huh. slows down that energizer bunny, that child that is maybe jumping on the bed, right? Right at that moment. It's, it's almost <laughs> like an adult doing a sled push, right? Like getting yeah. rid of the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
And this does not have to be super long. I, I do these kind of games as part of a plan. And usually I try to say, let's commit to it for, for two weeks. And it's usually five to 15 minutes of your of your bedtime routine. And it may be a little bit longer in the beginning, especially for a child who is, you're kind of moving away from, you know, having the parent lay with them for two hours until they've fallen asleep or sit in the room or, you know, mm-hmm. and calming for them. If, if the child, and we're making that transition from the parent doing the soothing for them to the child building their confidence in what it feels like to fall asleep with no one else in the bed. Um, that's usually what we're doing. And they parents usually keep like one or two or they transition to falling asleep like your four-year-old did with 10 blankets and they're good to go. Um, right. You don't have to do it in the routine. And definitely if you're doing it with four children, it might take longer. Um, but um, it, it just really gives that sensory input much like the magnesium. All those steps is like your, it, I always think of a, of a three-year-old as with a bunch of holes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Feel that we're, we're doing the comforting, loving piece, you know, in the warm end of the day, most of the days. Um, and then we're doing the bedtime games to fill in that sensory hole and wind down the body and the muscles. Um, we're offering the magnesium. Then we're maybe doing the Bible lesson or the story or the song that's kind of the closure. Um, and then it's kind of that tuck in. So, yeah, gosh, that's such a great, great, you know, focus of all that. Um, and I, sometimes I find I'm just thinking about parents with a little older kids now, like, um, you know, sometimes now my kids will pop out of their rooms after like, you know, or like no more talking kind of thing, mm-hmm. not to come talk to us, but it's like they needed one more little way to like, I don't know, have power or something. I'm not really sure. They'll come down to get water. That's usually what it is, even though I'm certain they already have water. So <laughs> it's, um, it's just like, it's really great to recognize that like the flexibility portion too. But mm-hmm. I also was one of those parents, like you, you don't come out of your room, like when they were littler, when we, mm-hmm. when the, when it's time to be in bed, like you stay in your bed mm-hmm. and that actually worked fairly well for mm-hmm. us just by having, um, those boundaries really early. And I mean, again, it's, it's, it's incredibly imperfect, but my whole philosophy is what you allow will continue. And so mm-hmm. with all of parenting, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if it's like, you can't come out of your room and then 15 minutes later, they're snuggled up on the couch with you falling asleep, then what's going to happen the next night, they're going to do it again. So, um, yes, exactly. yeah. Um, and I know, I mean, obviously everyone's different with their tolerance and, and flexibility, but if we feel like we're beating our heads against the wall, those boundaries can sometimes be really important. So, yeah. um, I think definitely it's something to reflect on, um, mm-hmm. because, not. you know, you can look at that individually on your family. And if you've got a two and three year old, you know, coming out of the room multiple times a night, you know, I'm definitely with you, Emily, in that we had really strict routines, um, in those early years of building that pattern, of, of healthy sleep. And then as children, you know, 
probably kindergarten, my, my, my five-year-old started, you know, we would say goodnight and leave the room and she would look at a book for 10 or 15 minutes. And, and she was in charge of turning off the light and going to bed, you know, mm-hmm. same your sons are doing, they're coming out and they're getting water or they're going to the bathroom one more time, but they're eight and 10 and they go right back to bed. They, they aren't, you know, most of the time we're coming out multiple times, asking you for things, needing you to walk them back. They're autonomous with their routine and they know the expectations. So it's like, get the water and go right back, you know, go to the bathroom, go right back, those kind of things. So I think it's like a gradual way to build independence and confidence in their own ability to calm their body. Cause that's definitely always my goal because those self-regulation and coping skills last for a lifetime. Yeah, that's so good. That's really, really good. And obviously, I mean, we're not talking about tweens here necessarily, but as they get older, you know, what those boundaries look like have to change a little bit so that we're not being overly rigid to, um, not that like, oh, you get to do whatever you want, but if you right. come out of your room to get water and it makes you feel like you're maturing, then is this the end of the world? No. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. anyway, Jessica, you're always such a breadth of information and help. And I'm hoping, I, I know that parents are going to take away some thoughts and tips on this as far as how to make sleep routines better, because I know that Ooh, even in our small group, our church small group, we there's a lot of little children in there and a lot of really tired parents for lots of different reasons from mm-hmm. newborndom to um, defiant sleeping toddlers. So um, <laughs> I know this is going to be helpful for for lots of people. So thank you so much for joining us again. And we'll look forward to catching up again. All right. Sounds good, Emily. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.